here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Hey, everybody. Welcome back once again to the Dharmic Evolution and a very happy new year to everyone out there. I hope it was safe, happy, and prosperous, and this is going to be a great year. Hey, we're in London today. Haven't been there in quite a while, and I am psyched. Um, When I first started this show, I was there a lot, but today we are there with a tremendous artist. Looking forward to this. But before we get into it, as always, go on over to dharmicevolution.com and sign up on your favorite platform so that we can bring this show to you with every new release at 4.44 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you like Influenced by Soul, R&B, Gospel, and Pop on the British music scene, you are in luck because we have that today for you. With a commitment to lyrical storytelling, this Scottish Congolese artist lived in cities across Scotland, England, Zambia, Zimbabwe before settling in London to share her music shaped by the life experiences gained during her travels. Releasing music independently, she's gained recognition and support from such prominent music institutions as Sirius Live, Help Musicians UK, H Club London, and is most recently a recipient of the widely coveted PRS for Music, Women Make Music Grant. You guys better strap up your seatbelts because we're taking a ride on the Dharmic Evolution from the Music City all the way to London to hang out with M.A. M.A., welcome to the Dharmic Evolution. Hello, thank you for having me, James. Yeah. Nice to be here. This is uh, really wonderful, and I'll tell you why. Um, just, I haven't been back to gather any new artists from London in quite a while now, and I've been doing this for, for about six years, so um, it was. it's always a pleasure to have other artists from different cultures, different places around the globe, because music, as we know, is the universal language. Um, And, you know, it has no barriers uh, to entry. So it's always a pleasure to to have somebody um, who I really respect on the show, yourself included. And congratulations on all of the great success um, that you've been having lately. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's, been, it's uh, funny great. to to watch you uh, coming from you know it was doing a little bit of digging here and and uh, you know all the places you've lived and yeah. you're originally <laughs> from Africa right yeah so the, my 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 mother's family uh, is from Zambia which is South Central Africa and uh, my dad's side is well both sides actually when you go far enough back they come from Congo which is also in South Central Africa. But my mother's side migrated to Zambia, and they live there now. Um, and my father's side has been in Congo since. So you had quite the childhood, I can imagine. Um, I was checking out the the beauty of the Congo um, on maps. That I'm always fascinated by maps, you know. And uh, you know the the preserves and the forestry and the jungles that you have there. Um, how are they holding up? Um, in time with all the building that's going on in the planet or is it still kind of like you remembered it as a as a young child 
So I didn't actually grow up in Congo. Um, my, my dad's side is from there, but he left when he was probably in his 20s okay. and he hasn't been back. So unfortunately, I've never been to Congo. Yeah. Um, but I did go to Zambia. I went to Zambia and I was at boarding school there for three years. And I think like everywhere else, there are cities that are built up <clears throat> and, um, and metropolitan. And then there are other parts that are obviously places of outstanding natural beauty that are res um, either reserves or they are preserved, you know, for that purpose. Um, so I think it, it just depends. But I think with, with everywhere... Um, the the spirit of the country is is protected, and it's the same in 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 Africa. So in Zambia, or, or I imagine in Congo, the the places that are reserves or that are you know sort of wildlife inhabited will be protected for that reason. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, as I was looking at it, I said I, I want to go there like right away. It's like <laughs> it's very yeah. very intriguing. Um, so in so in Zambia is where mm -hmm. like you spent most of your time as a young girl growing up. No, I actually um, I was born in Scotland in Aberdeen. Wow, I, so <laughs> I got it's like a jigsaw puzzle all over my desk. I it gotta is, start plugging yeah. these like in bags. <laughs> Yeah, so that—that's the poetry that comes from you, huh? The, the Scottish, I'm sure you got a little bit of that going well, yeah, on. Yeah, probably. There. Yeah, the um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I so I could tell yeah. your accent is so unusual, you know. And oh, uh, so I'm surprised that, that being um, not British yourself, you can still tell. <laughs> yeah, I because yeah, different. I like doing doing voices and different you know dialects and things. So mm -hmm. um, when you were growing up in Scotland, then mm -hmm. how did you get connected to music? How did the the you know? Do you think you had that always your whole life as a little girl and just came out all of a sudden? I think so. I think I, looking back in retrospect, it's easy to see how the dots kind of join together. I, um, I remember, for whatever reason, I had asked my mum whether or not I could um, audition for Annie um, as a child, and and I always think back: where did that come from? You know, what was it that made me ask her? And and we didn't end up doing it, but it was just something that's always stuck with me. And um, my parents had a piano in the house and I used to play on it and they recognized that I could, I gravitated towards music. And so they tried to put me into a formal um, piano lessons and I hated every second of it. So I did that for a few years, but I genuinely remember it was an awful experience. And I think my teacher felt the same way. And so I kind of left that behind, but then even in, um, in uh, school, uh, primary school and secondary school, I played uh, the violin for some part, um, for some time. I played, obviously, the recorder. I, I don't know what it's like in, in America, but in um, in Scotland, <laughs> everyone gets taught the recorder <laughs> when we're in, um, in primary school. So I did that. And so many other instruments that I just seemed to gravitate towards. And so, yeah, I definitely think it was it was part of my life growing up. But it's not really something that I had recognized. Yeah. Um, well, so I, I never got... Considered I got taught detention, you know, when I was growing up. That, that was my thing. Um, but I got to ask you, why was piano lessons so bad? What was it about it? Was it the teacher? Was it just the discipline of you've got to sit here and learn this boring stuff? Is, was it that whole thing? Or like, what was it? I, I'm not sure. I think it, I, I don't want to blame the teacher because I think the teacher was probably like any teacher. She was she was a taskmaster and she was very she was the, the typical piano teacher. 
Um, but, you know, if I was that way inclined, then she would have been the perfect teacher for me. So it's not necessarily that I didn't like the teacher. Um, I don't know. There was just something about maybe the discipline of it or, you know, having to practice all the time that I just didn't, I didn't take to. Do you and play now? Only- do you play piano yes. now? Yeah, so you probably do, weren't yeah. ready, you know, and, and that's a that's a thing. You don't know what somebody's distracted into something else or they're they're pulled towards something else at that point in their life. So uh yeah. you know, and maybe it comes around later. Like for me, I had a couple of real false uh, slow starts as a teenager and then I came around in my early 20s and you know, mm-hmm. you couldn't get the guitar out of my hand. So I guess I guess we're we're ready at a certain time, you know. I think that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I want to just uh, introduce this first song, and, and before we get deeper into the interview, let people know a little bit uh, what M.A. is all about. So this is called Away From Here. Traveling on with an open heart and a broken Told me back on the lot that she'd see it through If all that we are is a house of cards And a building made of paper mache We'd better go ask the architect what to do You put your hands off on the weekend But they come down on the Sunday night Then find more till we reach Back up to the Friday sky We're never too far from home Never too old to throw the top down on the road Oh baby, let's drive away from here And you're still the only one for sure No matter where we are in the car And the journey start, let's go Maybe we can ride away from here And when it's over, we will look back there to a picture Navigator, I would much prefer if we did this trip the old-fashioned way The internet ain't replaced the days we once knew Cause we might put our hands off on the weekend But they come down on the Sunday night Then find more till we reach Back up to the Friday sky We're never too far from home Never too old to throw the top down
away from here. And, I, you know, I just love <laughs> the line, we better go ask the architect what to do. This is good. Really great <laughs> lyrics, great music. So Thank uh, you. can you share a little bit of, of the story behind this? Really, really great vibe too, by the way. Thank you. Thank you very much. This song, I think, is my favorite song from my first album. Um, I think obviously you don't want to pick favorites, but this one kind of stood out to me because for the longest time, I didn't have a bridge. And so I was recording, I was in the, the serious recording for my album. So we were probably, I think this was the, in fact the last song that we got to because we had done everything else. And there was something about the bridge that I had that just was not, it didn't feel right. And we recorded in the uh, in a place called Southampton, um, which is which south of South England. And we were recording in the basement of a church. And I remember leaving the studio and I had been there for probably about a month at this point on and off. I remember leaving the studio and going up to the main hall and just trying to sing over and over and over. And eventually the bridge came to me and the whole song is just about um, just not being so discouraged with with what you're going through that you think that you're too far gone, which is kind of what the title is, Away From Here. Um, and the chorus being, you're never too far from home. That was kind of my encouragement to myself that no matter what I'm going through, I'm never so far removed that I can't find my way back. And yeah, so I don't know if I probably explained that a bit backwards. I explained kind of how I <laughs> wrote the song and then what it's about. But So let me, let me ask yeah. you, when you refer to home, is that a metaphor mm -hmm. for your home, like your centered home of where you feel your spirit is comfortable? Or are you referring to your home growing up or where you, you know, of your many homes? I think for me, I'm definitely referring to a, a sense of self, a sense of faith, yeah. um, a, a centeredness in my, in my spirit, uh, especially because I've moved around so much that it's not really a physical place that will you know i i do love like i love london um, but i'm not from london you know i've come i've grown to love it because it's where i've spent a lot of time but in terms of that centeredness that's what at the time i felt far away from um and that's what i was trying to encourage myself that i'm you know there's always a way back but do you listen to yourself <laughs> i i try to but not always, no. Yeah, you have wisdom, but sometimes we don't accept our own wisdom because we don't trust no. it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, or even if we know it's correct, I don't know what it is about. Just you, you, I find that I know so much what to do, but I have difficulty doing it. <laughs> yeah. And trying to talk myself into it, so yeah. It's true. Sometimes you learn things like whether it is in a textbook or from someone else or in school or whatever. And you know this so well, and then you don't call it up when you need it the most, you know. And I think we all kind of have that problem. Um, just to break away from, I got to ask you this about being a pharmacist. How did you work <laughs> that into the, to the <laughs> resume, you know, with all the things you're doing? When did that pop up? Well, it was probably the other way round. I I um, was a very academic child. 
I studied a lot. You're too modest. You mean you were smart as hell. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) It was was more like my dad. My my dad, I think he he had me studying a lot um, and he really pushed me. And so there was never any question that I was going to go to university. And um, like I was saying to you before, that it never really clicked in terms of music um, when I was younger. It was only when I got to London around 18 that I really understood that I love music and I want to be an artist. But the conversation to say, oh, I'd like to study music or art at university was just completely out of the question. And so... Um, for me, because I love science, I wanted to do something that, you know, was meaningful, but also something that allowed me to have my own, ha- take control of my career. Um, and so that's how pharmacy came into it. And it was kind of on admission to a pharmacy school that I had said to my parents, that, look, I'm going to get this degree, but after I get the degree then I can do what I want to do. Um, I can use it to support myself and I can pursue my passion. And so that's kind of how pharmacy fits into um, the picture. That's amazing. I mean, I imagine it was a very difficult, um, you know, period to go through. I mean, it must have been a tremendous amount of study. Did you really enjoy it? Were you like really into it? Like when you were living that life? There's so much studying and the studying yeah. hasn't finished. Oh, I can imagine. Studying hasn't ended. It's it's a career that you always, you have to stay on top of, you know, the, the latest treatments and, you know, the, the science changes as, as we build a greater evidence base for things. You know, we find better ways to do things that you always have to stay switched on. And also it's a, it's a, a job that is a very responsible. So you make life and death decisions all the time. So you can't afford, especially when you're working in hospital with patients, which I was doing at one point, you can't afford to not know what you're doing. So, but going back to the university and uh, my university experience, I loved university. And, and even though I studied really hard, um, I, my group of friends was also, they were very academic as well. So it just felt like the norm, um, to be honest. Yeah. Um, do you feel like, is that part of the journey for you over, do you think, or do you think it's just been put on the side for a while, or are you still kind of joined to that along with music? It's, it's a frustrating balance for me. It's like a tightrope because I, I understand what it is to be passionate about something because of how much I love music and and because of the kind of the epiphany almost that I had when I decided I actually I want to be an artist that was such a light bulb moment for me um and it hasn't changed um so because I understand the passion of that it was difficult for me at times to be so constrained by a career that is so demanding um and and even though I had decided in my, you know, in my plan that, you know, I'll do pharmacy and it will be a great career. It will be something that gives me enough money as an independent artist to pursue um, music and to do all the things that we need to do because it is so expensive yes. <laughs> as a solo artist. But then there were, there are, there have been times, um, uh, sorry, excuse me. Yeah, there have been times when um, I have been so consumed by pharmacy and by the responsibility that I've almost forgotten who I was as, a, as an artist. Um, and so, yeah, 
I think my ultimate goal will always be to be able to support myself fully from music. Um, the more I've I've lived with pharmacy, the less I think that I would completely just walk away from it. I don't know. I'd maybe do something on the side, but yeah, music is, is my main passion. It, it will always be. <laughs> it is very challenging, isn't it? When you have to compartmentalize these parts yeah. of your life and you're saying, I know that other one's over there and it's like tapping yeah. me on the shoulder, but I can't pull away from the distraction because you have that high responsibility. I can tell just by, you know, by the way you're talking, you, you owe it to that career to give it the proper attention that it deserves, you know, mm. so it's, so it's difficult. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I, I feel I have felt, uh, maybe not an obligation to the career, but whilst I'm in the career, an obligation to do it correctly, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, of course. And so it's not, it's not something that you can do half-hearted. And whilst music, I, whilst I do get a lot of opportunities for music, it takes a lot to be able to live by music alone. And so whilst, you know, I have both happening at the same time, I do feel an obligation not to do one of them kind of in a half-hearted way, and especially not a job like that. So, Do you also, yeah. M.A., do you also feel like you have a bit of a gypsy soul because of all the places you've lived? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. One place, actually, that I have always wanted to visit is New York. Yeah. And the pandemic has obviously delayed that even further but yeah you especially don't, now that i've lived in london for so good no you don't want to go there yet just <laughs> you gotta wait a little really? while yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh between um, what's going on with the lockdown and the political stuff going on there it's just it's it's sad i mean i have been there my whole life off back and forth um mm -hmm. but but it's it's gonna come back and you mm -hmm. know thank god it will but there's no place like it i mean once mm -hmm. you go there it's really it's really pretty incredible um mm, but yeah, but i hope you go soon see. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah, but um, the answer is 100%. I do have a gypsy soul. Um, I feel more tied to people um, than, you know, geographical locations. And and especially now that I've been in London for, you know, such a long time. I've been here for like over 10 years. That's the, that's the longest place I've been. It's the longest I've been anywhere. And I do feel definitely the pull to maybe explore a bit more you have um you know i just it's very hard for me to pinpoint your music which i love because i love people who are eclectic and and you have um a sound that the only person that i can that i think you remind me of is uh, olita adams who i'm a huge fan of um and she I would have never, she would have never come on my radar except for Tears for Fears when they came out with um, one of their huge albums and they had Olita Adams on that record. And I said, who is this singing? Oh my God. And I became mm -hmm. a huge fan just by, just by a couple of songs that she was on. But mm -hmm. um, your influences, M.A., like they must have come from many diverse places. Um, can you give us a few people that you felt we, you were really, really captivated by that influenced your music and your writing? 
Yeah, I mean, when I was kind of starting out, I had a stint as more of a folkish songwriter. And so maybe more emphasis on, I don't know, telling a story. You know how folk tells a, a very, tells a story with the songs it, it writes. And it's not so much about a pop hook or making it catchy. Right. Um, but more about, you know, the, the depth of the words. And I, I feel like I still carry that with me, but obviously now I, I, I write music that's a bit more commercial. Um, but people like Bonnie Iver uh, um, or, um, I don't know, some of the, the other, like the storytellers um, and also some gospel artists. So Israel Houghton, um, who else? Um So the folk part of it is important yeah. to you because um, I can hear that. I immediately was captivated by your storytelling. Mm -hmm. And because it, when it first came out, I said, oh, this is kind of cool, sort of R&B, but sort of, you mm -hmm. know, a little bit of pop in here. And then as I started listening to your lyrics, I said, wow, this lady goes deep. And I, I, am, I love that. I love the story in the story. I love li good lyrics and poetry in music is, is critically important. Uh, it's in part of the whole thing. So mm -hmm. um, thank you for doing that. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I mean, uh, even uh, I think when I was trying to learn the piano, I got very heavily influenced with the gospel and, and people like Kirk, Kirk Franklin and... Um, and uh, you know that that sort of the um the the soul gospel kind of sound but then even the the motown sound as well so stevie wonder and and you know people from the motown era so it was it was kind of a, a mixture of everything um but the lyrics have always been very important to me just because i feel like i have something to say i i feel like i want to express myself or you know express a feeling through my songs um and so yeah that's why I've, I've always respected kind of folk artists for that um and also people there was a, there's a song by uh, billy joel called and so it goes yes i don't know if you've it's for me it's the perfect song um the first time i heard it i was captivated and i was i remember i was standing outside um waiting to come home on a bus and it was like midnight and my brother had sent it to me and I remember exactly how it made me feel in that moment. And I was, I was just attached to every single word. And I could imagine the, the way that, you know, he was writing. And I saw it in my mind as, as I was listening. And, and for me, that's what I want my music to do. I want my music to be able to tell a story that, that people can relate to um, and that can, you know, translate uh, into some sort of emotion when people listen to it. So I think it's time that we play another one here. And folks, this one is called, um, well, it, it, the file says over. Is it just plain over? Because sometimes uh, the file is, is different. But is it just called over? Yeah, that's it. It's okay. called over. All right. Let's check out over. Here we go. I keep it close. It kills me. We're not back together Thought of the future chills me My soul in the cold air 
nothing will break my fall But I can't get no resolution Like it don't matter anymore You seem always That was awesome. I, I don't know. I'm having a fight over which one I like better, uh, away from <laughs> here or over. But the, you know, your, uh, your, um, just your arrangements and also um, the content of the story is so great. It's so captivating. And um, thank you. This one is about misplaced trust, and I'm going to assume mm-hmm. this was a personal experience of yours. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. It yeah. was. It's it's um it, it's a culmination of several personal experiences, and so I had I had been through several um, instances of just hurt where you know relationships were breaking down, kind of all at the same time. And um, it was around the time that I was uh, just wrapping up my first album, but I I, I hadn't written the song. Um, and when I finished the album, 
and I kind of came home, you know, from the studio from, for the final time. And it felt like that chapter of my life was done because I had done that project. I woke up the next day and uh, I wrote this song in probably 30 minutes to an hour. And, and it felt very much like the ceiling of that chapter and also me getting my emotions out and processing kind of the breakdowns of those relationships that I'd went through, um, gone through. So, yeah, that's what the song is about. So, so yeah. let, let me ask you about um, when you were traveling, when you were living in Scotland, um, is that mm-hmm. where, because you said you were in kind of, you're moving a lot, like it sounded mm-hmm. like every three or four years. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm guessing. Point, yeah. But uh, but but what what did you take away from Scotland? Because I'm always fascinated by the British Isles and the UK in general, and the differences between Ireland, Scotland, and the UK, the you know, Great Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you were there, did you take away? Do you think more influences just by that short time from the Scottish people, and it, and did it? Did it impact your music in a big way, given like what time frame or what age you were? Or was it just I a culmination yeah. of all the places? I think it's it's a bit of both. I mean, Scotland, I think of Scotland as my childhood, if I'm honest. Um, I let, We left when I was in my teens. And so pretty much my formative years were, you know, spent in Scotland and... I remember, you know, having a wonderful childhood, being outside all the time. We lived very close to the North Sea, so it must have been freezing. But I don't remember that. I just remember the fun I had, you know, in the water. We used to play in the water all the time. Um, And so I feel like a, a, a large part of my... Obviously, I my identity is in many things um, as a black British person, as a black British woman, as a um, a British person, as a you know someone who has been you know not quite Zambian enough when I'm in boarding school, not quite British enough or Scottish enough, you know, not yeah. quite enough of anything. Yeah, um, I do feel like the childhood that I had in Scotland gave me a lot of confidence and 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 is is sort of the backbone as as to you know my my sense of self now um but yeah the scottish people are wonderful people they're very friendly they're very loving um they're very welcoming yeah we had um i had a great time (laughs) yeah it's it's i look at those countries and i say how do they continue to preserve that that way of life you know and it always fascinates me and i I think it's wonderful like when they have something that works for them and they don't let it get like overwhelmed with whatever technology or the latest and the greatest this and we got to tear everything down and make it like contemporary Mm -hmm. and new (laughs) they just Mm kind of hang on to their way of life and uh, i think that is is just great ireland i think is similar in that way Um, very proud yeah yeah and and they should be you know and mm. I, I think that is just great um tell me about uh in good old uh, london where you are now um how mm. are you guys managing with uh post-covid or halfway through COVID or whatever wherever you are on that journey um how is everybody getting along are you getting out at all are you in lockdown like how is your day-to-day life 
So I think it very much depends who you are and where you go. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, in some places you wouldn't even tell, apart from the, you know, occasional mask wearer, you'd forget almost. And and um, we're not in sort of a national lockdown. We haven't had one of those for probably, I don't know, close, I, I want to say close to at least six months. So the, the, the lockdowns, everything is just merging together um, for me. But I think, um, yeah, general life is 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 happening as best as we can. Um, there's still kind of social distancing. I do feel slightly uh, in in a different world because I work in the NHS. Okay. And um, and here, I don't know how much you know about the healthcare system here, but basically, the NHS is the national health service, and mm-hmm. so. So we kind of feel the shockwaves of anything to do with COVID before everyone else. Yeah. And so with the new variant that is emerging kind of from, um, you know, parts of Europe and and from uh, parts of South Africa, um, we are kind of more in preparation mode, maybe ahead of the general population. Right. Um, and so for me, it's it's strange because a lot of the work that I was doing, the normal work that I do as a pharmacist has been suspended um, and it was getting back to normal. We were starting to pick normal things back up and, and now it, it's looking, uh, we're not quite sure. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm not quite sure whether we are continuing some elements of normal work have been suspended again we're kind of in a we're in a limbo period you know whilst we figure out what this new variant kind of will mean for us um but yeah i mean day to day i think people are you know some people are going back to the office and so it's 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 quasi normal (laughs) how about (laughs) yeah i mean i i've read some reports on it and i where i sit i think people are overreacting to this omnivirus Mm. and you know, the people in Africa who are the thought leaders and the professionals in their industry, I respect what they said and they came forth right away about it and said, you know, this is like, this is nothing like the original COVID. And I just hope that that is, is true and I have no reason to believe that, that, that it's not. So uh, mm-hmm. hopefully this one will blow past us and, and we can somehow get on with some kind of normalcy eventually, you yeah. know. I mean, variants, the Delta variant was, you know, Kent was the first place in England, Kent in England, we were the ones to, I, and I don't like to use the word discover, but the, the first ones to kind of identify yeah. the Delta variant. And obviously we know that that's the variant before this new one. And, right. And that, doesn't mean that it wasn't in other places before it was in Kent, but just that Kent was the first place where we identified it. And so I think that the language around, you know, where this variant comes from, quote unquote, is it, 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 I think we need to be a bit more cautious than, you know, maybe we have been because South Africa may have been the first place to identify it, but we, you know, there are reports that it was in other places before that. So, and in Europe before that. So, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think at the end of the day, all we can do is just you know continue what we've been doing. Try to be as careful as possible. Try to maintain social distancing. But yeah, not let propaganda and the media kind of you know run away with our emotions. Because yeah, because we know that that's that's dangerous that's too. What, because a lot of people, yeah. yeah, people get upset and they get depressed mm-hmm. and all this, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's unnecessary. Um, mm-hmm. How about you working with other artists? Um, are you like, do you have um, like a, 
a, a close-knit uh, band of friends, associates, musical uh, partners, or, or people that you collaborate with or just you know do gigs together at all? And mm-hmm. are you able to go out and play in, um, in any pubs or any clubs or anything? I haven't played for a while. I did do a, a quite a big, it wasn't a show, but it was a, a quite a big performance a couple of months ago, but it was at a private venue. But in terms of, you know, getting back out into the scene and, and doing circuits, I haven't done that since before the pandemic. Yeah, and I don't blame you. It's frustrating. It, yeah, yeah, and it's just, uh, it's it's been difficult for me, to be honest, uh, to navigate being an artist in this time especially, you know, at at very high points, like high pressure points, you know, during the kind of the peaks of the, um, the waves, um, because as a pharmacist, you know, for for the first wave, I actually went to go and work uh, with the government, I was working in the Department of Health, and then the second wave, you know, I was taken out of there and put somewhere else. And it was just so overwhelming, that I didn't do much in terms of gigging. um, And then obviously, all this sort were shut um but now i think next year will be fingers crossed <laughs> next year will be the year that i get to come out uh, more and play and and i think i've spent this this time um this year just practicing and and getting ready for that yeah. in terms of collaborating with others um i have done a few um I guess now everything's online so we've done a few zoom sessions and things and i do have a great network um but yeah i don't know it's it's been i don't mean to be quite down or, or depressing but it's been quite solitary yeah yeah <laughs> the past the past year especially as an artist has been it's been very lonely yeah it's a tough thing i mean mm-hmm. um i had moved down to right outside of nashville like right before the pandemic and i and i got mm-hmm. this this big house and i said oh great my family will come down and visit me and mm-hmm. uh and as soon as i moved in you know it was a pandemic hit and it, so it was really yeah. um it's tough to you know see people like you know everything was zoom and here i am in the music city and i i it wasn't very musical <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah but yeah. but everybody went through it on in their own way but um over here in the states right now I'm noticing a lot of, I'm getting notes and, and emails and things from a lot of the past artists who have been on the show, and they're they're playing mm-hmm. out pretty steady now. They're, everybody's sort oh, of good. coming yeah. out of their, mm-hmm. their shell, and, and venues are opening up, and people are having shows and concerts and of all, all different sizes, from tiny little bars to bigger and medium-sized venues. So, um, mm-hmm. so there is hope. I mean, it, mm-hmm. we are going to crawl out of this eventually. Tell me, what do you like to do, M.A., when you're not um, writing, uh, you know, uh, creating? What do you like to do for fun? Um, Do you like to go walking, hiking, reading books, movies? Like, what's your favorite thing to do just to disconnect and get away from it all? I always am afraid of this question (laughs) because there's not much I do outside of of music but I do love to go to the gym I am I'm a gym goer and I find that that um because I think so much I it it gives me time just to be exhausted (laughs) and not to have to process too much so I enjoy that I do love I love movies um but i'm not a connoisseur of movies so my i think my my brother is more of a um 
he he appreciates the art of movies and and you know he appreciates a, a very well written well shot movie whereas i prefer movies where i can just disconnect and so it doesn't really even need to have a very good storyline it just needs to be something that i find pleasant to watch yes <laughs> and i'll watch it so so like films so yeah, with like, a lot of nature in it or things like that, that yeah just, yeah or yeah. even even you know terrible films like made for tv movies yeah. you know things are just uh just really bad <laughs> but for some reason i just find them quite comforting so when you um, go to the gym what is your what is your workout process like like what do you do i think, I think most times i it depends it will be quite high intensity so quite a lot of not so much running on the treadmill because i don't like i don't like running but i i like more um i like to try and lift weights and and um do different circuits and things so things where things where i'm exercising my body and i don't really have to think too much about what i'm doing so even going to classes and having someone else tell you to jump or you know to just to give somebody else that responsibility no that's good out of my own head i find it really therapeutic yeah i like that when somebody takes charge i mean i did yoga for um at least 15 years i did hot yoga at least three times a Mm. week and then the pandemic shut that down but there were times they used to say you know the saying was the hardest part is just showing up and it was true because once you throw your mat down and like, you know, you check in and the instructor takes over, it's like, all right, I'm just going to do what I'm told for an hour. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. like the responsibility goes to someone else. And then you're so yeah. happy. Like you mentioned, you like being exhausted. And that was the best part for me because, God, what a night's sleep you'd get after that workout. Exactly, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. So it has a lot of benefits. And I yeah. hate running, too. I became a runner after the, when this pandemic hit. And... Mm-hmm. uh Somebody said to me just recently, so I've been running for only only three years now, and they mm-hmm. said, how do you like running? I go, I hate the first mile every time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I hate it. But after the first mile, it, it, you know, you get into a little bit of a rhythm, and, you know, I don't do yeah. that much. I do, you know, three or four miles, but but mm-hmm. just to do something, you know, to get out. Yeah, of course, yeah. So your aspirations uh, moving forward as you look out, what are you most excited about Um you know, both musically and just life in general. Um, what are you looking forward to in 2022? Musically, I am looking forward to becoming more of myself. Um, and I don't mean that to sound too abstract, but there's a there's a quote by Miles Davis, and he says, sometimes it takes you a long time to sound like yourself. Yeah. And and I feel very much in the last couple of years with, you know, tracks like Over and some of my unreleased music that I'm starting to sound more like me. And I find that really exciting. Um, and so I'm looking forward to just, you know, coming into myself as a performer and releasing more music where I, you know, I've kind of cracked the code of what I want to sound like. I think that will be really special for me. And um, outside of music, I'm... I don't know. I'm, I would love to travel. I, I used to travel before the pandemic, but I wasn't. Um, I have friends who really travel. You know, they go to several countries a year, and I was never that type of traveler. And I never did solo trips either. But after, well, hopefully after the pandemic or next year, I would love to take a solo trip. 
yeah um yeah i would love to just to venture out and, and explore more it's very freeing and very healthy mm. you know once you do that and yeah yeah and um Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. I had something really cool to add to that, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Um, yeah, I wish you all the best of luck uh, as we're starting to wrap up. Um, and I just want to also offer you to just, if there's anything you'd like to share with our audience as we're saying goodbye, um, any kind of thoughts, any kind of advice for youngsters out there, especially the younger people who are up and coming, who are trying to crack the code. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. that, that goes into what I was thinking about when you were saying that it took you a long time to find out you know, who you are as a, as a mm -hmm. writer, as a singer. And I think, I think mm -hmm. all of us have to like really like we have to write a lot of songs of right. this is this who I is not who I am, exactly. And, and, yeah. and yeah. because you don't know until you go down that path to say no, no, that's not where I belong. And it, I think it takes mm -hmm. a long time to develop a sound and to develop a style and to develop something that's very, very authentic. So uh, I really commend you and congratulate you for staying the course because a lot of people never get there. You know? Yeah, yeah, and it's a shame. Yeah. It's a shame, I think. Um, yeah, I, I think for anyone who is coming up, I would just say that. I think that is the most important thing for me that I've learned is, you know, we have, I think we get so distracted as artists uh, by the music industry and by other people's expectations patience you know and, and what they want or maybe even other people's agendas what they want for you as an artist and for anyone coming up I would just say have you know make your own mind up you know who know who you are know what makes you happy and what you determine to be success because success might not necessarily be um a top chart single or you know um I don't know, all of it, you know, the trivial things, it might not be, or the awards, success for you as an artist might be, you know, steady touring or, you know, being able to collaborate with whoever you want. And so, yeah, know what you want from the industry, number one, and number two, know who you are and, and stay, stay uh, true to that because I feel like that's when the best music comes out when you have a certainty of who you are you're able to write from a place of truth and and a place where the music uh means something it can stand um on its own amen very well put mm -hmm. very sage advice um thank you for that and yeah as we're as we're gonna wrap it up now uh really appreciated that because um you know, you're right. It's like there, there are very, uh, there's so many ways to look at success. And it's just mm -hmm. not about having like lots of money in the bank and fast cars and things like that. But how about you get to do this again because you're so mm -hmm. passionate about it and you get to watch your evolution uh, project after project. And that, that's yeah. kind of priceless to, to a true artist. It, it really mm -hmm. is. So um, I just want to thank you so much, M.A., for uh, taking the time out to visit with us on the Dharmic Evolution. I really appreciated um, hearing all about you, your journeys, your, uh, your experiences, and your music is badass. I love what you're doing. And <laughs> keep you. on doing it. 
And uh, I just want to wish all God's blessings on you and your Thank family you. and your Thank music. You. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been great to be here. That was really awesome. Really enjoyed M.A. Check out all her links in the show notes and support her music. And I'll catch you next time. And with a high-definition lens You showed me endlessly Intriguing possibility
Let's do it.